Welcome back to Stat Chat. I am Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball, and it is officially March. Uh, I am taping this in early March. We have just wrapped up the second straight regular season championship, and we are entering into uh, conference uh, tournament play. And the guests, Justin Simon from Yale, they are finishing up their regular season as they make their final push here. Um, I was thrilled to get Justin to find some time here because I have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach James Jones and what he's done at Yale. Um, so I've known Justin for years. We've talked about it. We finally found some time. Uh, so he, he was able to kind of shine some light on what's made them successful and some of the things they emphasize on a daily basis to reach their results. So hope you enjoy this one. I think anytime you can talk to a uh, assistant or head coach on a, on a program that's done so well over the years, it's gonna, you're going to learn something. So I know I did. I hope you do too. Uh, enjoy your march. I know I will. And uh, here you go. Hello and welcome back to Stat Chat. Uh, today's guest is Justin Simon, uh, assistant coach at Yale University. Uh, Justin has been on that staff since 2011. So uh, it looks like this is your ninth season right in line with when I started. And um, believe it or not, we played against each other back in uh, the early 2000s. So Justin, welcome to the show. Uh, I'm glad you can uh, find some time here and uh, and come share your basketball thoughts with us. No, I appreciate you having me, Dave. And, and thank goodness there's no uh, film left of any of those games. You might set the game back here a little bit. <laughs> oh, no. Um, was, we had some battles back then. Those were some fun games. But obviously it changed a little bit, and uh, you guys have done terrific. Uh, what is it, three three tournament appearances now? Is that is that right? Uh, we've been twice. We're, uh, we're, we're hoping to win our, our fourth, you know, Ivy League championship here in the last, uh, last six years. Although one of those years we, we tied and, and ended up losing the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been rolling here the last couple of years. And, and, uh, really I think a, a large part of it is due to, you know, Coach Jones really embracing the analytics movement. Um, which has been, which has been wonderful. He was, uh, not always that way. <laughs> yeah, talk um, a little bit about the difference, I guess, because uh, you played for him. Um, how – is this 21 years, 22 years for him? 20, 21 years right now. 21 years. So you've seen it from the beginning till current day, um, you know, with a little bit of hiatus there. But kind of walk us through how he's changed and how the program has changed in, in that analytical regard. Yeah, I think this. So, so I was part of Coach Jones's first recruiting class um, when he had just gotten the job. Really, uh, a mentor of his was Doc Sowers, who had been a longtime coach at Albany. Really, an old school guy. And I think if you asked James about analytics or statistics, he he would say, "Hey, listen, there's there's three lies, right? Lies, damn lies, and statistics. That was that was kind of his <laughs> go-to thing. And and it was a lot of, hey, let's play harder, let's do this." Um, and I think just as he's gotten more experience and, you know, you start seeing the same things that, that, uh, he's really embraced the analytics and, and you know, Ken Palm is, is, you know, might be his homepage at this point and, and, and he's really into it, which is, which is great. And it's what you expect, right? He's, he's grown as a coach and as a thinker and, and really everything else. Yeah. And I think obviously the access to the data has probably changed over his years as well. Um, 
I guess now just kind of walk us through some of the things um, you guys focus on uh, to kind of get to the success you guys have had over the last, you know, number of years. Yeah, I think this. Um, b- before we get to that, let me just say, like, maybe the best thing about working at Yale is we are just surrounded by brilliant kids, right? And and even really before Ken Palm became mainstream or Hoop Math, Hoop Lens, we had guys who they weren't your typical manager. They were they were more guys like interested in in uh, lineup analysis, anal- analytics, who really helped bring us uh, into the 21st century. Here, uh, one guy, Zan Tanner, when I first showed up, he was handing us you know point per possession and lineup analysis. Back in 2011, which was pretty rare, um, there was another guy who, who just graduated last year, Luke Benz. He, he actually was uh, one of the founding members of the Yale Undergraduate Analytics Group, and they did a whole lot of work for us. Before every Ivy League weekend, he would hand us shot charts of our upcoming opponents, uh, assist trees, which is one of the things he had come up with, who, who's passing the who, um, and, and all of the lineup analysis for our teams. And, and I think – you know, those two guys in particular have really um, helped bring all of us really into the new age of analytics. Um, and even now we have a, a guy named Brooks Chuck who graduated last year and is, you know, putting off law school for a year. We call him our uh, director of advanced integrated analytics. We try to get the most complicated uh, title. We, can <laughs> <Okay. get. laughs> yep. uh, we, we find it intimidating. But, um, you know, we, we play a game and the next day he hands us a 14-page printout. Right now, now some of it is just confirming what you know, and um, but but some of the stuff ends up being pretty eye-opening, right? Different combinations you have on the floor, and and obviously there's some small sample size with all this stuff, um, but you know I think the more information that we could sort of sift through, usually the better better off we are. Yeah. Um, what else? What else? Uh, sorry, we can we can come back to that, but what else is in that 14 pages that you guys will? use maybe not every game i mean i know you know you guys have a one-day turnaround so i know you're not getting a whole lot done uh in 24 hours but what are some of the things in that 14 pages that you may look at um that can help you yeah i I think it really helps in preparation for the next game um you know we play everybody twice so so a lot of times you know we're looking at hey which lineups had success which lineups didn't And, and then the question is always why Right, it could be. Hey, listen, these guys were in for four minutes. There was a bank three and a, and a rough foul call that blocked charge that went against you, and and a couple other things, and they end up with a very negative number. Um, but I think over time you start to see some trends. Certain guys tend to play well together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we have we have certain guys who, hey, listen, offensively it's it's a struggle, but you know they're they're great rebounders, they're great help guys, and 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 sometimes even if you have more shooting on the floor, it doesn't necessarily. Uh, show itself as more points. Um, okay. So, so, go back yeah, to, uh, so so that's one of the things Brooks has been helping you guys with. Um, and now I guess you can get into kind of the, your focus, or if you were still going, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but uh, um, some no, of the things you guys fine. focus so, on. So I think this, right, the, the three things that James talks about every single day with our guys is, is defending, rebounding, sharing the ball. Right, you walk in our locker room. It's three huge words, right? Defend, rebound, share, and and really everything we do in practice and everything we really emphasize is um, is really around those three things. 
Um, and I think it shows itself if you look at our overall statistical profile. Um, if somebody walks in and watches one of our practices, our hope would be that's what um, that's what they take away. You know, I, I don't know how familiar you are with our team, but, you know, last year we ended up winning the Ivy League championship, and we graduated uh, three starters, and we, and we lost one guy um, to the NBA early, Mie Oni. Um, you know, and, and we realized heading into this year, if we wanted to have any sort of level of success, we were going to have to defend even more. And, and right now, you know, we're sitting there, you know, top 60 in the country in defense. Um, and, and really a huge part of that, if you go, if you dig a little deeper, is we're fourth in the country in, in defensive rebounding percentage. Um, you know, so, so a lot of the stuff sort of goes hand in hand. Um, I will say, you know, listening to, to some of the podcasts and the other stuff, we don't go out of our way to limit three point attempts, probably as much as some of the other, um, teams around the country or some of the other teams that are really deep, deeply analytical. Um, but, um, but yeah. We, is that you know, something we, you guys talk about or is it just the way that you defend hasn't resulted in limiting three-point attempts? Well, I think that we, we play big. So, so we play with two bigs. We end up giving up a, a decent amount of threes to the other team's stretch four. Um, who for the most part is a, is a guard, right? Masquerading right. as, as a, as a four man. So our thing is like, whatever we lose on the defensive end, right? Cause, cause we understand, hey, listen, this guy may get loose and, and bang a three and, and our 6'10 four man isn't great running over staggered doubles or, or things like that. But we feel like, well, if we could control the paint and we could beat the other team up on the glass, we'll more than make up for that, um, deficiency. So I think that, that is part of it. Um, now there's certain guys, right? Whenever you play teams that have a one-dimensional guy, and with that, we're, we're thinking a guy who, you know, 65% or greater of his his shots are threes. Um, well, those guys we're trying to step on their toes when they have the ball, right? Yeah. So, um, is that the one we, you guys use? Oh yeah, right, right, right on their toes. Yep, right on their toes. Um, okay, exactly. Right. No, no catch and shoots, especially, um, and and really. That that number ends up being a huge part of our defensive game plan, right? Like what percentage of a guy's shots are threes, and then we'll we'll take it one step further and say how many of his makes have, have been off the dribble. Um, we think that where, where do you get really that helpful. number? Is that something you get from your own analysis, or is that on synergy? Yeah, unfortunately, we just count those. <laughs> that, no, that, no, you know, we'll watch I, I, all the guys' three-point shots. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, most of the guys don't have that many. I'm sure one to two players per team, you got to watch a lot of threes, but that's very interesting. And, and what you'll do is that'll be in the scout. Is that something like you guys will openly talk about that number? So, so game after game, your guys have a a, a relative number to go by because they've, they've seen it in every game. Is that how you do it? Exactly. You know, and, and, and there's website hoop math where that'll tell you like how many of their threes have been assisted, um, or what percentage of their threes are assisted. So that's kind of a shortcut you can take sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's, and really what, what is important is how you're going to defend the ball screen, right? It, you know, certain guys you just can't duck under, right? Right. Um, but, but you play a guy, especially at this point in the year, and he's made three threes off the dribble all year. Well, you know, we, our core defense, we go over the top and, and we drop, drop coverage, right? But we'll tell guys, hey, listen, if you can't get there, feel free to duck under, 
right? right. And it's a slippery slope sometimes because you give guys an inch, he'll take a mile to go under every single screen. We want to do keep ball pressure on, which, you know, is makes it more difficult when you do go under. But, um, but yeah, so it really helps with our ball screen coverage is really, really the main thing with that. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. I think as coaches, the macro level decisions that can be made to help our team ball screen coverage is one of them. Like how you defend ball screens is you're going to give up something obviously, right? Like, you know, if you're icing, you're going to give up the kickback. If you're doing what you guys do, you now have a, a good guard coming out of big. Um, like, so wh- why do you guys do that? It doesn't have to be statistical. I'm just like, wh- what is the, have you guys been doing that for a while or um, like what's the rationale no, behind drop coverage? We, we actually were a hard hedge team up until last year. Um, we hard hedged for, gosh, almost my entire time I was at Yale. And it was, it was pretty effective. But what, what kind of is happening is teams are putting more shooting and more skill on the floor. And, and basically all it took was a side ball screen for us to have to get into rotation. And it wasn't necessarily, it's not like the, it's not the first pass out that would get here, but a lot of times it'd be the second and third. Right? And we just find ourselves scrambling and giving up rhythm threes. Um, so now we, we just try to guard the ball screen with two guys. And, we, and we've been lucky. We have size, right, which, which changes things a little bit. So right now we start 6'10 and 6'10 up front, two guys who could, you know, move their feet a little bit but also yep. protect the rim and, and, and rebound. And it's, uh, you know, right now I think three-point percentage, we're, we're top 30 in the country. Um, or we were top 30 last year. This year I think we're right around 45, yep. depending on, like, who yep. plays tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, it's allowed us to guard the ball screen with two, you know, try to force more. Obviously, everybody wants to force more two-point pull-ups um, and, uh, and just take away rhythm threes. It was a hard adjustment for, for James because it's a less aggressive uh, style of defense, and I know, you know a lot of times you don't want to let teams just run their stuff, right? So we, we did feel like sometimes with the hard hedge, we were the aggressor on defense. Um, and actually in, in, in 2016, we had two guys who were perfect for it. You know, we, we ended up, we finished the year 34th overall in the nation in, in, in total defense. Um, and, and also rebounded the ball, which, which was huge. Cause I think that's the second part of the drop coverage, which is really helpful for us is our guys are around the rim, right? There's no, when you're hard showing and the guy rolls, it's really hard to get back in front of the, uh, uh opponent's big guy and, and, and get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm just thinking like so so we hard we hard hedge right now. Um we have two five men that are completely different. One is mobile and undersized and one is kind of, you know, a, a banger and not the quickest guy. And we do the same with both, but like we've toyed around with, you know, changing that up and um, you know, kind of seeing uh well the reason that we have gone to hard hedging, which we really haven't done that much in the past, was so many point guards and people that use ball screens are so good that you kind of, you're giving up obviously the four on three if they, if they get it out, but we were, we were kind of okay with that, that we thought how many guys in our league that aren't the point guard, you know, the guy making the, most of the decisions, can get a four on three and actually make you pay with, you know, a four on three with a chase, you know, two chasers basically. Um, right. So that was kind of what we went to, and it's been it's been six. I mean, obviously, you know, 
it's successful at times and it's not successful at times. But for the most part, I thought our ball screen defense this year was better. But we have played against teams that are doing the drop coverage. And when they do have a rim protector, I find it challenging as a opposing coach to kind of come up with ways to punish it because you are basically saying, okay, drive in there and make a good decision in traffic, which if you have a rim protector and you can handle that two-on-one for, you know, a second, maybe even less than a second, you're going to be in good shape because like, you want to have that third guy help. So um, that's interesting that you guys have gone to that after for so long being so aggressive. And I'm just looking at your 2016 team with Justin Sears, who is arguably one of the best shot blockers in the last, like, five years in the Ivies. Um, and, but he, you had him hard hedging. We we had him hard hedge, and then our our center that year was was a guy named Brandon Sherrod, who was six six, you know, two forty, but but moved his feet and had super long arms. So, you know, those guys they didn't give anything up. They would recover, yeah. and 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 then we our, our actually our small forward that year was was another big guy about six six. So all three of them ended up top ten at Yale, um, all time shot blockers. So it was wow. like we created these scramble okay. situations <laughs> and then just could rotate and, and slap a shot off the glass. So that was that was kind of unique, um, ha- having those guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, that but helps. actually, what it was, so, <laughs> so on offense for the last, like, eight years or so, we've run, like, the ball screen continuity motion. Um, uh, you know, so, sort of like our version of it. Um, and, and really the teams that gave us the most problems defensively were the teams that just played drop coverage. Um, you know, the reads are, aren't there. Nothing is like that open. And, and you feel like you're not generating as many great shots. You're getting, you're getting a bunch of okay shots for the most part. Right. 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 Um, now, now kind of transitioning, kind of sticking with defense, you mentioned it a little bit, but just in looking at Yale's numbers over the last, you know, literally like eight to nine years, defensive rebounding is, always one of your strengths um so yeah. you talked a little bit about it like i'm just looking at you know um top 50 top 70 like always pretty good um what do you guys like walk me through some of your principles that you teach or that you talk about to have those numbers be as good as they are with many different personnel changes yeah i think the most important thing is is we talk about it every single day, right? Every day, Coach Jones, we're in practice. We, we do at least one rebounding drill every day. Um, it's not always live. You know, sometimes, like for today, example, right? It's gotten late in the season. On both ends, we have a coach holding the pad, and, and we're just working on offensive rebounding techniques. Um, you know, Wednesday at practice, we might we might do like a foul line blockout segment. Right. Give me an example of an of... offensive rebounding technique. Yeah, so so say I'll be sitting there. I'm, I'm one of the. I'm six eight, right? So I always get stuff holding the pad. But <laughs> um, it's uh, so we'll just have uh, you know a line of guys at each foul line, right on opposite ends of the court. I'll be right around the, the restricted area, and uh, I will be like, all right, swim move. We'll put three minutes on the clock. Hey, okay. swim move. So. So one of the other coaches will throw a ball off the rim, boom, guy swims the pad. Next minute might be a spin move. And then the third one we, t- we talk about is, is wedging, right? Just just walking your guy under, trying to carve out the whole side of the rim. Sure. Um, 
and, and listen, like I don't think they get better at this necessarily on a daily basis with the technique, but it keeps it in the front of their mind. Um, and, and, and they know it's a point of emphasis for us. You know, if you walk in, if you walk in our locker room, we have just a couple big charts, right, of, of things that, you know, the coaches value. And, and one of them is for each game, we have our rebounding goals, right? So we want to get a, a third of our own misses back and we want to get, uh, 75% of available defensive rebounds. And, and those are things we harp on every single day. Um, now it's interesting. Over the last couple of years, our, our offensive rebounding, uh, has fallen off. Partly we're, you know, we're, we're playing bigs now who, who aren't quite around the basket as much. Um, and just, uh, you know, with that, that Sears and Sherrod team back in 2016, uh, I think we finished, you know, we were like something fifth in the country in offensive rebounding, seventh in defensive rebounding. Um, you know, we haven't been able to maintain that level of offensive rebounding just because, you know, we've had more guys on the perimeter. Um, you know, we, we try to crash three as, as often as we can. Um, it's just hard. You know, a lot of times our opposite big is at the top of the key and, uh, it's hard to get them in there, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, so, so getting back to, um, so rebounding drills in practice. So you, you were, you were talking about offensive rebounding drill, just kind of a dummy drill, you know, not even live, just to kind of work on technique. What else, um, are you doing drill wise or stressing, um, either side, offensive or defensive rebounding? Yeah. So, so we have a slew of different things. You know, I think one of the hardest things to do is, be in your help position and and box out someone who's crashing from the perimeter. Um, so we have we have one specific drill that we like to do with that. If you could picture it, imagine a, a line of, at the top of the key, a line uh, and a line on each wing, right? So you have three lines of, of offensive guys, and you have your three defenders lined up in a in just a line at the foul line, right? Um, one guy behind another. So what we'll do is is we'll pass the ball to any of the three lines. You uh, you call out a number, and that corresponds with the different defenders. So one guy goes to close out, and the other two guys have to box out the uh, the guys who are coming to crash. And it's like, listen, it, it's a little bit of no holds barred, right? I think it might be Coach Jones's favorite drill. You really <laughs> see who's gonna who's gonna dig out a tough defensive rebound, and we make them get three in a row to get out, um, which I think is good, right? You can see guys kind of pumping each other up after they get two and. And the guys take a little bit of ownership in it. And then the guys on offense, well, they're trying to keep the other team in the whole time. Yep. Right? It's, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, they're screaming, hey, let's forget about these guys in the all-day squad. Um, so it gives, like, some nice competitive bite to practice. And it's something we don't do very often, uh, especially once we get into league. Um, right? Our guys at this point are just kind of beat up. Um, now we'll do something like, uh, last week we did a drill where everybody just lined up back to back across half court. All right. You find someone about your okay. size and, and coach Jones blows the whistle and it's almost like a football drill. You know, you're back to back and you're just trying to drive the other guy out. Right. And it, and it takes, Great. it takes one minute. Um, you know, it, it was actually scheduled in there for one minute of practice time, but, but the guys, hopefully it translates to, to all this is important. Right. Cause I think that's right. That's more than anything is, is the mentality. If you chase it, you put yourself in an opportunity to get it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of our thing. We don't, we don't drill them so hard on, on the box outs as, as far as, um, 
you know, especially when guys are coming from the perimeter, a lot of times it's like one hard check and, and just go get the damn ball. Right. That's, that was going to be my next question. So um, technique – like on defense, and one of my pet peeves, and I feel like a lot of high school coaches teach this because uh, you see this in freshmen a lot, but go box your man, you know, and you see somebody go like somebody's drifting back to get back on D and somebody goes to box him out. And that that's like a, I, I lose it on that because I'm like, who cares about that guy? He's go get the ball. Or if someone else is crashing, you could help them uh, against a really good offensive rebounder. Do you guys have – like technique that you talk about in that, okay, like let's say you box the shooter, you hit him and, and go, or or um, do you hit him with a forearm, or do you turn and get him with your butt, or like wrap him up? Like what, what do you have technique you talk about? I don't know if we do, and that's why I'm asking. We kind of just say, get him out, or, you know, uh, is, is there anything to this? You know, what's funny is we tell him on defense, make him earn it, right? So So no uncontested runs to the rim. Right, it's uh, you got to check him at least once. Most guys die on that first hit. Yes. Right. Yes. They they run in, they they get hit once, and they and they stop. Um, did you know? Like, listen, we have a guy Jordan Bruner. He's six nine. He's got a seven foot wingspan, and he gets twenty five percent of the available rebounds like for the last two years. And I don't think he's boxed anybody out once. Right. Um, so right. so there is that right. But but then you know on the offensive end we're we're really big on on Harper and our guys don't don't die don't die on the first hit right so you kind of get it both ways we tell them all the time yeah hey man lo- lo- losers die on the first hit if you want to be a winner you got you got to persevere and go make them hit you twice um, and, and most guys don't do that right so um, I don't, that's not quite technique <laughs> um, that's more that's more of like our, our teaching point to the guys but it's, yeah, you know, it's everybody Everybody sort of does it differently. We we had a kid, Matt Townsend, a couple of years ago, who who was a below the rim six five uh, power forward. He actually ended up was a Rhodes Scholar as well, and and he boxed out every single time. And you know the game would end, he'd have three rebounds, and but we just knew we were a better rebounding team with him on the floor. So, so you kind of get it both ways. And in a lot of ways, he was the opposite of Jordan Bruner. But was maybe just as uh, important overall to to our team defensive rebounding. Sure, yeah, I've I've been toying around. I, I don't know how much you listen to to these podcasts, but uh, I've been toying around this entire year with a system that kind of captures all of that. Because, like you said, I don't want you boxing out sometimes if you're just going to go get the ball. Which you, it sounds like you have a guy Jordan Bruner that does that. I I always use Dwight Howard as an example. Is when he was in his prime, he was one of the worst boxer outers in the league, but he was the best rebounder. So you don't want to tell him to go box him. Just go get the ball. So what, I, what I've been doing is um, I've been given two points if you get the rebound. Like there's a, there's, you know, some people just have a knack for finding the ball, and you get two points. And then I've been giving one point if you make a tough or winning box out. So an example yeah. would be like we have – uh, our team, we have this guy, Will Raymond, who's one of the best offensive rebounders I've ever seen. Like, one hit, two hit, three hit. He's still coming. He's, there's no stopping him. And he, he just always finds himself in the right position. So, like, if we're playing against Will Raymond and he crashed and you just got him, like, where he had no chance of getting the rebound, you would get one point. So that was one example. But to your guy. And then another example would be the scramble situation you were talking about where let's say – uh, somebody's coming off the screen and you're really late, but you're on a full sprint. So the guy who set the screen, 
he jumps out to challenge a shot as well. So you have two guys challenging the shot. So you mm-hmm. have a guy free to the basket. Well, somebody like the point guard who's getting back can come in and save that box out. You also would get a point. So, like, those are, like, the winning plays. Because a lot of times when you watch film, those, the guys that make those plays, they're usually on winning teams because those are big plays that if you do them time after time, you're going to help your team. And then uh, a minus one if you do nothing, meaning shot goes and you start drifting towards offense. Because that, to me, is, like, inexcusable because if there's a loose ball or someone needs your help and you don't have someone to box out, you can go help them get a rebound if they're fighting with somebody or the ball just comes to a weird spot. So I've kind of been toying around with that. It's been really interesting to watch every shot and kind of grade our team on that. And I'm probably going to do a full podcast on it, but it's been um, trying, like what you said, trying to capture all that. Because defensive rebounding to me, and it sounds like you guys too, is it's not just like box your man or get the, it's both. It's all. It's, it's having the feel to know which one to do. Um, so that's kind of – um, what I've been been toying around because I love I love defense rebounding and, and you guys seem to have mastered it. Like you know, I talked to Kyle Smith and those guys. And they they stress it. They've mastered it. You guys are another team. I, I'd be curious uh, if any maybe one of your uh, uh, brilliant statistical group members <laughs> could run a like see who the top you know ten teams over the last ten years are at defensive rebounding and then. <laughs> To talk to them or like you know what they do right what, you, what you're doing because because uh these numbers are tough to keep up over year over year a lot of times it's personnel driven where you might have you know like you said that 2016 team right that just had huge guys that all had a knack for the ball uh but then you turn them over and you're you go back to 200 but you guys haven't done that so that's why i was curious if there's and if there's anything else now that i've said that that you that is on your mind about defensive rebound i would love to hear it you know, we, we harp on our guys all the time to control as much real estate as possible, right? There's nothing that, that drives us crazier in film than, like, when you kind of are standing in front of somebody, but you don't drive them out. Um, so, so that's a big emphasis. Don't, don't just be – don't be a stander. And I know we should have better uh, grammar probably being at Yale. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but but, like, we want to – you know, if – if you're standing three feet away from the rim and, and your guy's behind you, we'll, we'll, we'll drag him out to five, right? Because that's just going to create yep. more space for everybody. Um, and the other thing is, like, you need you need some guards with some snot in their nose. We we don't have any guards out there who, who get less than 10% of available defensive rebounds, and, and I think that's a huge part of it. Um, uh, you know, they have to buy in also. And, and then on the flip side, what we tell the big guys is, hey, man, We'll just play small if you guys don't want to rebound, <laughs> right? And all of a sudden, right. they look at the, right. you know potential minutes get cut, and they say, "Well, I'm going to go out there and try to kick this guy's butt." Um, so, so like, we we try to emphasize it with our guys. We try to create little competitions within the team of, of who the best rebounders are. You know, our guys tweet stuff about it. They, they'll tweet out bulldogs eat glass, and it, you know, it becomes like a fun thing. But it, it becomes part of the DNA of your program. And I think James is, is very careful to make sure that he's talking about it every single day. Um, right. You know, we get we, this, basically, yeah. exactly. Like, and and you know, it's funny how the teams all change. Like last year's team, we had all they wanted to do was run, right? 
But you tell him, man, you guys better get a defensive rebound if you want to run it. If they score, we're going to call a set. Um, you know, so we had, we had a little bit of that as sort of a motivation as well. Um, but, you know, I think as long as you encourage it and you, you emphasize it and you reward it, um, that, that's half the battle. Now, do you recruit to that? You just said your guards rebound well. And obviously, I'm sure recruiting's changed over since when you were there to now as, as much success as you guys have had. Um, are you, when you're recruiting, are you watching to see if guards rebound well? I think that's one thing that kind of you don't really watch that closely when you're recruiting, but is that something you guys do, try and notice? Uh, are they getting in the mix more than others? Probably not as much as we should. Um, now, I'll say this. Like, when I when I first got back to Yale, it was my first college coaching job, and, and I was getting ready to go to some AAU event, and I asked Coach Dones, like, I think I know what I'm doing, but, but what exactly are you looking for? <laughs> right? and, he, and he tells me three, three things. Toughness, toughness, and toughness. So, you know, it's it's something we definitely recruit to. And also I think it's it's the way we play, right? It's uh, like we, we've played two bigs, you know, relatively consistently. The only year we didn't really play two bigs was when we had a couple injuries. Um, and, and we generally play at least one big wing, right? Like this year we played Jalen Gabadon, who's 6'5", you know, 210 at, at, at a wing spot. We'll put Matt Cotton in, sometimes with him, sometimes without him. Who's another guy who's six five and you know could jump out of the gym. So uh, I think um, the way that James wants to play lends itself to to being a good rebounding team. You know, like if he sees a five nine quick guard on the road, he has no interest in that guy. Um, so I think right. that's what, what appeals to him. Yeah, well, it, it seems to work for rebounding for you guys. Uh, um, all right, now, now kind of switching over to offense, um, I'm just, again, looking at your guys' stats over the past, you know, number of years, and your two-point percentage is, you know, just going year by year, 48, 12, 25, 75, 64. This is in the country. So um, how? Or, or, like, what are you guys doing on offense, um, you know, once again, on a macro level or even on a micro level? Uh, to kind of figure out the best way to score? You know, I think there's a couple things. First, we've we've kind of had the same system in place now for like the last eight years. Um, like I said, we run, you know, the ball screen motion, um, which our guys sort of know like the back of their hand, right? Most of our, our play calls are, are little wrinkles built within there. But but I think what helps is, is they know all the looks. Right, they know where their teammates are going to be, and 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 when we break down with our drill work, they're seeing all the same stuff, right? So, for example, at, at least ten minutes a day, I'll be with the big guys, and and they're coming in, they're setting ball screens, they're rolling, they're getting the ball, they're avoiding a charge and skipping opposite, or they slip, stop, take a dribble middle, and and kick it out to the opposite wing, things like that. Um, so, so I think with the emphasis we put on our passing and, and just the familiarity that these guys get, um, with, with some of the looks is huge. Um, I think part of it, you know, sort of comes back to recruiting a little bit. You know, besides toughness, and this, this is going to sound really elementary, but James like, hey man, 
one guy's like a dribble pass and shoot. <laughs> right? <Yeah>. It's uh <laughs> but he's like, listen, we, we don't want we don't want a six foot eleven guy who who's just gonna go block to block to block to block and uh, you know, either shoot a jump hook or turn it over. Um you know, so I think, you know, James really is trying to emphasize that. And, and what happens is our, our big guys end up uh, getting a whole lot of assists. You know, right now, Jordan Bruner, um, I believe he's, you know, fourth in the Ivy League in, in uh, total assists right now. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he has a pretty unique profile. I mean, he shoots threes, he assists, he blocks shots, and, and he defends and rebounds. So, um, but, but it's something that's worked on, you know, every single day with him. We, we don't want our, our bigs to catch the ball on the move and, and travel or charge, right? So, so it's constantly catch, stop, evaluate, you know, then put it on the ground and, and, and see what you have. Um, I know, you know, Matt Kingsley every day with the guards, they're coming off ball screens, kicking opposite, hitting the throwback, you know, so it's, um, it's something that's ingrained in our program. Again, like, so we have just a couple charts on the wall, right? One, we have the, the rebounding chart. You know, we have an assist chart, which which we talk about with our guys, you know, on a, on a pretty daily basis. Anytime they play a game and have a, a two-to-one assist turnover ratio, they're uh, they're getting a sticker up on the board, and, and everybody has to walk by it. And you'll see, like, Eric Monroe, who's a senior on our team this year, um, who's actually leading the Ivy League in total assists, you see his name and gosh, you know, you run out of room on the chart, right? So, right. So I think it's, it's like emphasized and it's rewarded. Um, but, but really, rather than having a collection of sets, you know, running a system where, where these guys are seeing the same thing for four years. And I think where it really helps, uh, Coach Jones with, with the program is, you know, this year Jalen Gabadon's a junior and, and he's starting for the first time. Um, but he spent two years learning how to do this stuff. Eric Monroe is finally a starter as a senior, but he's been playing the same system for the last three years. And, and you can tell these guys make huge strides um, as it goes on, right? We're doing the same stuff in our individual workouts in the off season, doing all the same stuff when we break down. And, and we start every practice with, with multiple passing drills. Let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a little bit more. About passing, uh, you mentioned that Bruner is, you know, a, a big that's a good passer. Was he always a good passer, or have you seen like market improvement? Like, is that is passing one of those things that you can definitely improve on, or that you guys have seen, or do you think he was a good passer coming in and then kind of figured the system out? You know, sees the game a little slower as a senior. Like, what do you think about the, that aspect? Yeah, he he's a little bit of a unicorn as far as that goes, right? And and I think the passing comes from um, it really comes from their basketball IQ, um, you know. But but someone like Bruner, now he missed he missed his sophomore season, right? So I don't have it all in front of me, but like his assist rate as a junior was, was maybe 20th in the Ivy league. Right. And, and now, you know, he's top five, um, right. you know, so, so the game slows down um, for guys, especially as they get older. But, but if you take a guy who doesn't have the basketball IQ, it, it doesn't work. Um, no matter, no matter how many passing drills you do, because it's really more of a soft skill than, than a hard skill. I would feel like. 
Uh, yeah, no doubt. And, and when, like, just when I think of passing, I think there's two main major components, and one is vision. And so the two are vision and the actual execution of passing, meaning, like, we've had players that you'd be like, okay, snap the pass, and you're 10 feet apart, and it, it just doesn't look right. Um, so the execution is like you go back to simple, but can you throw a pass, you know, with your right hand? Can you throw it with your left hand? Can you throw it over your shoulder? Can you throw it over your left shoulder? Can you throw it over your head? That's the execution. The vision part to me is what makes a good passer. And, and you know, I'm obviously a, a, a little bit of a snob in this area uh, <laughs> because like, that's the only reason I played at the Division One level is because I could see the, the court. Um, so a lot of times we'll have guys – and we'll run these plays and someone will be open and it's not selfish. They just didn't see it. Like they didn't have the vision. And then you watch, you know, in, in recruiting, I try and look for guys that, like you said, can, can do this type of stuff. But um, I think vision is the tougher part to teach. And I don't know what kind of passing drills you guys do, but all that other execution stuff, um, you can work on making a perfect pass in different ways. But the vision part – you kind of have to see the game. And like you said, if you just look up, that that's one of the things that changes over the years consistently is your assisted turnovers get better. So playing the same amount of minutes, like, you know, uh, if you had a freshman starter and then a sophomore starter, like, and then he turns into a sophomore, his assisted turnovers should get better. That's pretty standard. And that that's why I was asking, like, do you think he – got better or did you think he got older or did he come in? And that's always a question that I'm, I'm you know, do, do you want to put guys in situations that practice vision? Cause you can practice anything, right? If you did enough drills where you had two guys cut and a defender guard, one of them, and you had to make a split second decision and that was all you practice, you get better at it. But you have to, you know, in basketball, you have to pick and choose. You sacrifice some things to work on other things and vice versa. So, um, you can work on that stuff. Is that stuff, when you say passing drills, can you give us an example of kind of what you mean by that? Well, uh, like we start practice every day. We'll go five minutes on just cutting, right? So it's, hey, coach, ball in one line. This guy is going to attack the middle of the paint, and we'll have a guy cut from the corner. Or or we'll have, uh, you know, guy cut from the corner, don't throw it to him, skip opposite, things like that. So that's relatively basic. The other thing we do is we call it mixed group shooting, which we do every day, generally like 10 minutes a day. Um, and we try to do that. We want our looks against different ball screen coverages. Um, so if we're going to play a team that ices us, we'll, we'll spend, you know, probably 25 minutes that week just working uh, dry offense against ice. Right? So it's, hey, guards dribble down, throw it back to the big. You know, we cut the next guy, the stunt cut skip opposite, things like that. So okay. we try to make the the looks sort of second nature. Um, so, so they at least know what to look for. Now, as far right. as execution, hey, listen, some guys are never going to get there, right? It's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, what, we, what we try to do, especially with our guards in the ball screen, is have them not worried about the coverage and, and just look at it. At who's behind who's behind the defense, right? Somebody's got to pick up the role or, or tag the role, um, right? Someone's got to come over and, and maybe cheat uh, if it's ice, right? Like the guy who's who's coming all the way over to stunt. 
So, so we do try to emphasize that all the time and just try to give them as many tools in their toolbox to like to navigate um, all the different ball screen coverages we're going to see. So they know what the looks are. Um, and at that point, they, they just have to kind of go out there and do it. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing sometimes if you look back at, you know, our assists, especially in, in the Ivy League, uh, especially I feel like Kyle Smith kind of started this where they would, you know, shoot a ton of threes. They'd limit the opponent's three-point attempts, and, and they would really try to limit the opponent's assist. Um, and, and you see that it's been, like, taken to the next level lately. You know, like, we just played Penn and Princeton this past weekend, and if you look, um, you know, they're both top 20 in limiting threes. They're both top 20 in limiting assists, and, and neither team fouls, right? So, you know, it's just – it's uh, it's it's hard. You play against teams like that, and it feels like, hey, you just have to play a little bit of one on one, which is which is not really what we want to do. Right, and it's not no no one's comfortable with that, at least at our levels, because you you really it's hard to win consistently playing one on one. It's not like we have James Harden or you know uh, Kevin Durant. Um, on our team that we just like go get a bucket at least uh usually in the Patriot Ivy level but uh it sounds like some teams are kind of forcing you into that and it's all about doing what the other team is forcing the team to do what they're not comfortable with um and I'm just looking at the I think fouls is another really underrated statistical thing that is just starting to come to light I remember LeBron in the finals uh, four or five years ago, fouled out. It was like the first time he had fouled out. And that was like the first time it like clicked to me, like, oh, wow, not fouling is a huge deal. And we actually try and practice that and stress it now. And we don't foul it. Like, we, like our best defenders hardly ever foul. Um, our foul numbers are really low. And I'm looking at you guys. Is that something you stress or is it just you have players that maybe are a little bit less, uh, or more disciplined to not foul, or, or is that something you guys practice and stress? We stress it. Uh, you know, it's always hard in practice to figure out where that line is, right? How tight do you call it? Do you, do you want to get through? And then, and then, do you want your guys? You want your guys to play against it sometimes, right? So, so we're always we're always in the office, like, well, should we call it tighter? Should we let these guys play, especially with our subs playing against our starters? Right. Um, but really, with our big guys, we're we're real big on just walling up. Uh, you know, it's like the Roy Hibbert stuff, right? J- leave your feet in the restricted circle, um, go straight up, and, and college guys just don't make shots in the paint. Um, and uh, I'm sure we actually do play one guy this year who's like, depending on on when you check Ken Palm, he's like anywhere between one to five and fewest fouls per per forty minutes, which which probably is is a little bit too low. Um, you know, the, the guys who generally average like two and a half fouls per 40 minutes, I think are doing it right. Um, you know, they're not guys who are going to be in foul trouble very often, but they're also playing with a level of physicality that, that sometimes you need. Yeah. I always question when you're that low, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you it's like at all, you know, but <laughs> there is a, there is a, a fine line to what we're talking about here, but, um, yeah, so you guys, you, you do practice a little bit of walling up and, and stress that. Um, any other terminology or like for the guards or out top, which, cause you guys are aggressive on the, on the ball, 
right? Yeah, yeah. Like, we, we want to get into the ball. We want to go over screens. You know, we're, we're locking trail for the most part. Um, you know, it, it just comes down to don't foul out of frustration and don't just foul when you're beat, right? And and, and hopefully the, the fact that somebody's going to come rotate over and, and try and help you stops that, right? We say, hey, why would you why would you give a foul out here? Jordan Bruner's going to come, and this guy's probably going to miss. So we're saying yeah. if you're back into his guy, sit right on his knees and, and, and let's try to get this stop, um, which, is, which is much more productive. And then we also have to tell our big guys, it's okay. The other team's going to score. You're not going to win eight to five. Uh, so if they do score, <laughs> if they do score a basket, right? Because you go up there and they make a, a relatively difficult shot. That's fine. Let's go try to score on the other end. Sure. Sure. Um, well, good. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time here. Um, uh, I, I guess I got to wish you good luck. Obviously, my, my alma mater is 10. So, so uh, you know, hopefully you guys do well, but you know where my true allegiance lies. Um, but I appreciate you sharing, you know, a lot, a lot about what you guys have done and what's made you successful. And uh, best of luck going forward. Um, this, this final weekend in the Ivy Tournament should be fun, as it always is. We'll certainly be following, and, uh, and uh, maybe we'll see you um in a couple of weeks in the final four or, uh, or at the final four. I don't know if our teams will be there, but, uh, you know, best of luck going forward and thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. This is actually how this all happened. I shot you a text saying I took a couple of recruiting trips. I think I, I burned through about 10, 12 of the, uh, the stat chat. So <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a blast. I love the stuff you guys talked about with, with rebounding, you know, obviously the, the hustle stats and, I don't think we'll ever uh, convince James to, to do the hustle stats, um, but uh, but it's some awesome stuff, and, and you can see moving forward how that stuff's all valuable. But, um, hey, I'm a big fan, and I've learned a lot, and, and hopefully pay it forward a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate it, Justin. And, uh, like I said, best of luck going forward. Thanks, man. Same to you, Dave. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.